The nail in the coffin! I'm Tom. He is Travis. It is Tuesday night of uh, Thanksgiving week. And uh, Trev, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. How are you doing? Ready for the holiday? Uh, I am. I am. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Always my favorite holiday of the year. And I'm sure this year will be no different. I'm not particularly fired up about the slate of NFL games that we have on Thursday, though. A little weak this year. Yeah, it's funny. You remember um, in the offseason, there was like rumblings. I don't know. It might just been general fandom getting played in but everybody thought oh yeah uh browns are going to be playing on thanksgiving i bet and in hindsight that would be kind of cool right now um although coming off of you know we played a thursday a couple weeks ago i think it's probably probably better we get back on a more regular schedule yeah well i think from here on out it's all uh, sunday afternoons I, I think there is a chance if the browns and i'm getting way ahead of myself here but the Browns can handle their business over the next few weeks. I think that game late in the year against Baltimore has a chance to get bumped up to Sunday night, but uh, a lot of territory to cover between uh, now and then. So let, let's talk about it. We got a good weekend of football here. A couple of rivalry games. Uh, what do you say we uh, jump into it first with the Ohio State University Buckeyes? Uh, the number newly, one in the uh, land. Yeah, back to number one. Um, I I don't know. Do you, I'll throw it to you. I don't know that I care that much about being number one now, but talking to a couple of my buddies, it sounds like they're they're kind of thinking that this means, considering that we'll have a more difficult schedule for the rest of the way than LSU would, um, they're sort of of the mindset that if we're number one now and we win our next two, that we'll stay number one. What say you? I completely agree with that, and that was actually something I was going to ask you about. I, I was thinking about that. You know, the uh, you, you're looking at a matchup with Georgia in the SEC championship game for LSU. That's going to be better than anybody that's left on the Bucks schedule these next couple of weeks. But Ohio State is going to play number 13 Michigan this weekend, and you're figuring whether it's Wisconsin or Minnesota next week. Well, that's, one of them will be right there around 10 they, to 12. I was going to say they're probably going to be in the top 10 either, either way because I think it's a Minnesota like eight right now. Minnesota's eight, Wisconsin's 12 right now, so you have to assume that if Wisconsin wins, they'll at least jump up to 10, if not a little right. higher than that even. Yeah, and LSU's game this weekend is against Texas A&M, which is nothing special. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's obviously good for the Buckeyes to be in that position. Now, let me ask you this. I'm not saying do you think they should be number one right now. I'm asking are you surprised that they got bumped up this week? Um, Not terribly. Um, if you watched – we knew like the Penn State game was obviously a much bigger test than what LSU faced last week. So from that perspective, um, I think the mindset was, you know, they were they were pretty neck and neck already. So if um, if Ohio State could handle business and look convincing and strong against um, Penn State, it would be no matter what more impressive than anything LSU was able to do. Um, and quite frankly, yeah, the OSU Penn State game, it got a little hairy obviously, as they sort of handed the game back, to, did everything they could in their power to get Penn State back in that game. 
Um, but it was never particularly that close. They had about 200 yards of offense. They had one drive, uh, one scoring drive that went more than like 20 yards, I think. Um, Penn State never really got anything going in that game. LS- or OSU had a couple mistakes, three fumbles in a row um, that, that, you know, in that gave LSU or gave Penn State a very short field and got them back in the game. And OSU responded by going down the field, scoring a touchdown, and never really giving Penn State another chance. So it was it was a relatively convincing game, despite also being you know kind of sloppy and and sort of crummy weather game and it sort of goofy in that respect. And I don't know. I thought they looked fine. Um, LSU they they won big, but um, the box score tells a little different story. They gave up you know. I think they gave up three to three or four hundred yards to who they play Arkansas last week. Um, they've been there. It's weird because we're used to LSU having this like juggernaut defense and they've got a great offense this year, but their defense is kind of mediocre. Honestly, they gave up 600 yards to Ole Miss two weeks ago. Um, they're not, they're not really shutting team down teams down. Like we're used to, to seeing LSU do, um, so in that respect, I think I was using a more, more complete, well-rounded team than LSU is right now. And it sounded like that was the rationale that was used to put Ohio State at the top of the rankings. I think the uh, was it the chairman of the playoff committee uh, did his weekly interview after the rankings were revealed, and, and that was what he said was that Ohio State looks like a more complete team on both sides of the ball. I guess I was just a little bit surprised in that. I felt like there have been people who have been waiting to have a reason to nitpick something about Ohio state. And comparatively, this was, uh, you know, a lackluster. I mean, it it looked lackluster, although they were probably playing the best team they faced all year. Um, But it was obviously their closest game that they've played this year. And you had those hiccups in the third quarter. Um, But like, you know, the flip side of that is if it's somebody, I mean, you look at like what Oklahoma's had to do, like pulling a rabbit out of a hat, how many weeks in a row now, 11, an 11 point win for them would probably look great. Um, whereas Ohio state, I mean, their only crime is that they've, you know, beaten everybody else by four touchdowns or more. So um, I guess I was a little bit surprised in that, but uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, Hey, good for them. Yeah, I mean, Penn State's been, they've been really good this year um, on both sides of the ball. I, they're, to me, they're they're almost like a, they're sort of like a poor man's version of Ohio State. Like, they're, they're relatively even. I, I don't, they don't have the advantage. And, and I think this is true of everyone Ohio State has played, including this week. They don't have the advantage at any position, um, which is obviously not a great position to be in. Um, but they're and James Franklin, he's this guy who just can't seem to win a, a, an important game. Um, but I think he's a pretty damn good coach. Um, and I, I think I don't know, it's a, it's a weird game to really take much from. As I was there in person, it started there was this really cold, crummy like rain that started in the second half. That I don't know, it's it's it wasn't as bad as Wisconsin was a few weeks ago, which was one of the most miserable games I've ever been to. Um, but it was still one of these things where you're just like, yeah, they came out, they came a little lackadaisical and it showed pretty easily, right? Penn State took advantage of it and all the credit to them. But Penn State never really did anything in that game to threaten. Um, 
or not to threaten, but they never really did anything to, to, to do it themselves. They, they needed Ohio state to do stuff first before they could do, you know, impose any sort of will. And once Ohio state was like, ah, shit, we got to wake up and get back into this. They did. And the game was over. Um, so I think, I think overall, I think you're, I think what the guy said on the selection thing is probably right on They're They're, they're more complete than anybody else. And they maybe set the bar a little bit high for themselves because they've just been demolishing everyone they've come across. So um, when they don't cover a spread, a 20 point spread to the A team in the country, um, people, for whatever reason, are, are looking for reasons why. Um, I think and for most teams, an 11 point win over the eight team in the country is usually a pretty good, pretty good thing to take away. Let me ask you this. How much do you think it matters to end up at the number one seed? Because I, uh, it's going to matter. It's I'll tell you the one scenario where it's going to get matter the most. If Utah gets that fourth spot, which is okay. very, very feasible. Um, I'm not particularly scared of Clemson at the moment, but I'd still I'll still take Utah over Clemson any day of the week. Um, if I'm if we're talking about who we need to play, um, I think I think that's the only way it really matters. If it's if it's a team that I because. Truthfully there's there's just a, there's a talent gap there right i don't think the talent gap between as good as 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 mediocre as clemson has looked at times and honestly lsu has their their defense hasn't been great but their offense has been awesome um talent wise those guys match up utah doesn't match up so i I'll, personally i'll take that any day of the week if it's going to be a team like if they're going to somehow back alabama in here again or <laughs> um georgia i don't know if georgia wins if Georgia wins SEC, I have a hunch we're going to have to play LSU probably because we're not going to have Georgia LSU play again. Yeah, I, in I, in the semi, you know what I mean. So right. So the the only way I see it really mattering is like I said, if it's Utah that gets that four spot. Yeah, I was going to say I don't really think there's a scenario that you could end up with Ohio State playing Georgia in a semi because. The only yeah, way Georgia's no. getting in if they win, and if they get, if they win, they jump ahead of LSU probably. Yeah, you're right. I didn't yeah. really think of it that way. I was just looking at the teams that were sort of right there in that that bunch at the fourth spot. Yeah, because I mean, basically, the, the teams you're looking at for that spot right now would be Georgia. I mean, getting a fourth spot, obviously, they wouldn't be number four if they do get in. Um, Oklahoma, I guess, is still in the mix. Alabama is still in the mix. Um, by the way, I have a side comment on them in a minute. Um, who else are we looking at here? Utah. Utah's and... really the only one from the Pac-10. Unfortunately, Oregon played their way out of it last week. Um, which got what a did you watch that game at all? Uh, I saw like the last two minutes. Yeah, it was well, it was that late night Pac-10 game that you always kind of get into, you know, when you when everything else is off. Pac-12 you, after you, dark. You, you look at Twitter and you're like, oh shit, cool, cool game on. I'm gonna go turn this up. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, that's really all that's in there. Like, how about Minnesota? See, that's that's interesting. If if Minnesota beats us, that's the only way Minnesota gets in, right? If they beat us, yes. if Minnesota beats us in the Big Ten championship game, are we do we st- are we still confident saying we? I I'm that guy. Um, <laughs> are we still confident saying that OSU is a lock to get in the playoff? I'm um, not. I'm not going to say they're a lock. I mean, they 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 might have a good chance, but well. I don't know, because before you get there, let me ask you this. Can Ohio State boot the game this weekend with Michigan 
And if they handle their business next week in the Big Ten championship game, do they still get in? I th- I think so. Yeah, I think probably. So um, I mean, who knows? The committee changes. They change their their mind about what they think matters every week. So it, none of the, obviously all of this is just conjecture and us guessing. I personally think, yeah, if they beat Michigan this week and then or they lose this week and then win next week, they're probably still in. Um, if they win this week and lose next week, I think it gets a little more interesting because then you have another team that can make the case that they deserve to be in. Like if it's Minnesota, Minnesota can make a very solid case that they deserve to be in ahead of Ohio State. If yeah. you know they have they have the same record and Minnesota just beat them head to head, so that makes it a little bit interesting. And yeah, I mean at that point Minnesota would have beaten Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and only have one loss, and it was by one right. score on the road to the second place team in their division, or right. I guess third place team in their division. But yeah, it, that to me is a pretty uh, pretty compelling resume. Um, yeah, we'll see. But it's it's also hard from it's hard for me to see them putting two Big Ten teams in if one of them is Minnesota. Because as much as I don't want it to be, it is still a TV show they're making. Um, so, I mean, obviously that doesn't get the draw that Oklahoma or Alabama or Georgia or one of those other teams gets. So, who knows? I think the only lock right now is Clemson. Um, as of right now, I, I see no scenario where Clemson isn't in because their schedule is garbage and there's no way that they don't win out. Um, <laughs> obviously, barring on anything crazy. Uh, but I don't know. It's interesting. It's it's part of, I'll admit, it's, it's part of why I am not a huge proponent of the playoff right now. Um, because you just asked the question, if Ohio State loses to Michigan, could they still get in? And the answer is absolutely yes, which takes a little bit of shine off of the game, in my opinion. Um, It's always been, uh, before it was a a four-team playoff, it's always been anytime Ohio State or even Michigan had national championship aspirations coming into the game, winning or losing that game either kept those hopes alive or killed them immediately. Not the case anymore. So anyone out there who wants to tell me that it doesn't water down the regular season or it doesn't make the, the games less meaningful... You're wrong. This is a perfect example of why. Well, I mean, the, the flip side of that coin, though, is like, what would you be doing two Sundays from now if we get through conference championship week and Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU are all undefeated? You have uh, who's getting left out if you're un- in the old system with just two teams? See, it's funny. I was talking about this last week, too. And if we're looking at this season, the team that should be left out is Clemson, but right. there's no way in hell they're leaving out an undefeated reigning national champion. So exactly. I don't know. Probably, probably LSU because they'd have a more LSU would probably get in ahead of Ohio State. Ohio State's probably the odd team out. Yeah. Um, so I have to look. I mean, we never. You know, I don't know what if those computers are still out there and giving hypotheticals of yeah. what would what you know how it would look, but who knows. Um, it's interesting because last week, I know the AP doesn't really matter anymore, but last week um, LSU had, I think, like 50 out of 60 or something first place votes. I wonder if that shifts much this week or not. Um, obviously, with the CFP rankings changing, I don't know if um, it'll be interesting to see if, if, if that still holds or not. Not that it actually matters for anything anymore, but. 
two things I want to say. Number one, I, I before I forget, uh, shout out to Nick Saban down at Alabama for somehow managing to keep a straight face in his address to the media this week in declaring Auburn as being the best team that they are going to face this year, having gotten hammered at home by LSU less than a month ago. Um, that was the most transparent. Att- I mean, let's be honest. They're not playing next weekend. And they're con- this, this is their last chance to make any kind of an impression. And they need this game to be as good uh, of a win as it can possibly be if they want to have any hope of making the playoffs. And you can't tell me that was anything other than some shamelessly transparent politicking going on. So for him to be able to uh, get up on the podium and, and uh, keep a poker face with that, God bless him. Um, yeah, but someone, someone pointed out on Twitter, I'll stop it real quick. Uh, someone sure. pointed out on Twitter, like he probably says that like seven, eight times a year where he'll go out and say, this is probably the best team we've played. Um, ah. he drops that line all the time. And I agree with you. That's the reason he does it is because he wants every win to seem more impressive than it actually is. Right. Um, but no, it's, it's like the people that are still trying to tell me that LSU over Texas was an impressive win because LSU was or Texas was ranked at the time. Who gives a shit what they were ranked in week two? We've seen them. They suck. Like, <laughs> don't try to convince me that they were good then and they just suck now. They weren't good then. They're still not good. And sorry, Sam Ellinger, you're not back. I know you went and yelled at last bull season and everybody thought, oh, this is, this is going to be fun. Um, enjoy the sun bowl or we can't enjoy the belk bowl anymore. RIP the belk bowl. Ah, no more belks. But uh, no, the other thing I wanted to say is we're what almost 20 minutes into this now. And Ohio state, Michigan is happening this weekend. And we've barely talked about it. What does that say about the state of that rivalry? I know you've kind of said that, you know, the bigger picture of the national championship race, that's a whole separate discussion. But in terms of the game still being the game, how crazy is it that, that here we are? Um, It's a little wild, honestly, being down here in Columbus, it's, there's still, there's still the normal sort of like atmosphere in general, the same sort of discussion and ongoing theme, I guess, around town. But a lot of it is more, and it, it and it it's part of what makes me a little worried about this week is that a lot of it is, um, is sort of looking ahead at how because they've been so good, and because they've been so good this year, and because the the rivalry itself has been pretty lopsided the last few you know last shit twenty years now, um, it's it's one of those things that I think people are. I don't want to say taking for granted, but we're not going to, we're not going to worry about Michigan until they give us a legitimate reason to worry about them. Um, and I hope, and I, I hope and pray that Ryan day's first time around as a head coach, he's not falling for that. Obviously we saw that Jim Trestle got it. And we saw that urban Meyer got it. It is a very different sort of, it's a thing that you have to prioritize a little bit differently than anything else. And Trestle and Urban were both sort of born and raised in that sort of environment, right? They're both from Ohio. They get the rivalry. Ryan Day's not. He's been around it for a couple of years, but it'll be interesting to see if he truly gets it. Um, and if it 
if if that actually uh, truthfully if that actually matters in the first place right they might it could just be that Ohio State's too damn good and they beat them anyways um but it would I think it'll be it's sort of an interesting dilemma that he's in something that he is a different test than anything he's had to face this year I'll put it that way I'll say this I I get the distinct impression that over on the other side Jim Harbaugh definitely gets it with this rivalry. I was reading a a story today at lunchtime that was put up, I think by the athletic that's gone into just everything from Harbaugh's perspective and, and how much he's put into trying to win one game in this rivalry and, and how he knows that any kind of a turnaround for their program, if they ever are going to get to where they want to go, they have to go through Ohio state and what a mountain it is for them to climb. And I will give them credit for, for this much. Um, I know he's 0 for 4 so far, but it's not for uh, stubbornness and just trying to, you know, wrap your head into a wall and expect different results. Since he's been there, they've replaced their strength coach. They've replaced their offensive line coach. They've replaced their offensive coordinator. And you can make the case that all of those changes were pretty directly tied into what happened in their previous meetings with Ohio State. Now, whether any of that can actually finally pay off in a win, I don't know. But um, it's uh, it's been interesting to watch that, that team. And in, in you know this year, yeah, you know, it seemed to me like they were really teetering in the first half of this season on things getting kind of ugly. And he kind of threw down the gauntlet for that Penn state game. And I know they ended up losing there, Um, but they did make that interesting after a terrible start. And I think they've rattled off what, like four or five wins in a row since then. And they've been scoring about 40 points a game. Yeah. They won four in a row since then. And I mean, things really could have gone off the rails for them after Wisconsin, the way they got just housed in that game. Um, It would have been very easy to just, you know, chalk it up as another you know eight and four nine and three type season lose to lose to the other ranked teams on your schedule beat the teams you should be lose to the teams that you should lose to um which is honestly kind of been harbaugh's mo he ha- he doesn't really have or does he have a signature win in his time there i don't know maybe um probably notre dame now this year that's probably the first yeah. one um so it's they're in a weird spot, I think, because he, I think he's always gotten it. He hasn't always vocalized it. Well, I think in the media, he's always tried to be like too cool of a customer and he like plays it down a lot. And I wonder if that has worn off ever on the team, because, you know, as a guy with his, with his history and his experience, you'd think he would have a sort of a unique perspective on it. Um, And they've just like, they've just laid an egg after egg in that game. Um, one way or another, either they blow a game at the end or um, they're, you know, they get steamrolled like they did last year. Um, any variety of things could happen and they all seem to. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's something that he does or not. I, I've, I've sort of, honestly, I've sort of chalked it up to just the talent gap. He's Harbaugh's not a particularly good recruiter. Um, and it shows on the field he's every year he's pretty much had to find a new quarterback that's going to be the guy and that's always been the excuse wait till he gets his quarterback um sorry i i'm still not sold on Shea patterson i don't care about his numbers this year i know he's looked good the last few weeks but um i'm not at all worried about him um so it's it's sort of a 
I don't know. They're just a team that you, it's hard to get a read on, right? They've looked really good, like you said, the last few weeks, but I'm not going to get too impressed by what you did against Maryland, Michigan State, and Indiana. Yeah, they did have the Notre Dame win in that that series of games there, that four-game winning streak. Yep, that was the first one. Yeah. Um, I, I was surprised. I saw that they actually have the number two pass defense in the Big Ten. Ohio State is, of course, number one. Ohio State also happens to be number one in the entire country. Um, so it leads me to believe that this could be a game decided uh, on the ground. And I was looking that you were talking about the bad weather that Ohio State's seen for a couple of their big games this year with Wisconsin and Penn State. Uh, looking like mid-30s and some flurries up in Ann Arbor on Saturday. So uh, uh, pack your, uh, your, your winter hat and gloves if you're heading up there. But uh, – you know, looking at this series, Ohio State has dominated them on the ground in recent years. And if you're Michigan and you're looking at that backfield that Ohio State has this year, I can't be thrilled about my chances this time either, right? No, I mean, it's that's, that's sort of the thing. We came into this game last year talking about how great Michigan's pass defense was, and they got absolutely shredded. So it's... I mean, Ohio State's running game has been incredible um, with with Dobbins and even Teague's looked pretty good when he's gotten touches lately. Um, Justin Fields obviously has been great as well. Um, it's it's a weird team to, I don't know, it's, I've always been cautioned about looking too much into numbers coming into this game and things like that. Like, I really got into earnest Ohio State fandom like under Jim Trussell. So I know like throw the records out, all that stuff. Um, It's hard to really look at this game for me. It's always routinely hard for me to look at this game objectively and be like, okay, here's where we should do well. And here's where we shouldn't and blah, 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 blah. Um, Cause I'll, I'll tell you what I've told every time we've talked about Ohio state, I don't see any weaknesses and I don't see anywhere that Michigan has the advantage. Hmm. Yeah, and I might be wrong. I don't know. I mean, and, and truthfully, that's the thing about this game is usually it's it's a guy who, a guy here and there who plays about over his head a little bit and and shows up and and, and steps up to the moment, or a guy um, on the other side who plays down a little bit. Who knows what it is? But ultimately, I never know what to take from this game coming into it. That's why I'm always nervous as hell when it comes up. <laughs> I just can't see any scenario where you're still going to be nervous by about three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. But uh, I, I, I want that's what it's been like. Like last year, I was nervous as hell, like and, and probably with a little uh, I think we're better than we were last year. And I think Michigan's worse than we were last year. But um, I don't know. Maybe the road environment matters, but. I've been there, and honestly, this will sound like a homer take. I was there in 2005. The the stadium's not that good. Like, their crowd's not – it's not set up in a way to be intimidating um, because it's buried down in the ground and all the sound just sprints out of the top. None of it it is, like, in my opinion, it's not an intimidating place to play. Um, I've never been on the field, obviously, during a game, but – I don't think their home field advantage is all that great, but I could be wrong about that. Um, I I just, I don't know. 
I, I'm, I'm with you. I can't figure out if I, if I were to draw away for Michigan to win, it's going to look a lot like the Penn State game last last week. Just bide your time and hope Ohio State screws up a few times. Yeah, yeah that uh, that seems like that would be their most likely path. Um, any other thoughts on Ohio State, Michigan, college football, or you want to uh, you want to talk Browns? <clears throat> um, Chase Young should be in New York, right? Are we in agreement with that? Absolutely. Like should yes. be a lock at this point. Um, he already Not has me. the Ohio State career or single season sack record, um, which is stunning considering he's already missed two games and still has it's it's bananas to, he's got he could play four more games <laughs> like his sack he, his sack number could just be outrageous yeah. um the pace he's going and it's crazy because he puts he puts up his biggest numbers in the games against better teams like he had three sacks last week i don't remember what the the i don't remember what his line was against wisconsin but it was silly um nebraska same thing like it's the games when the stage is sort of the brightest he just goes nuts um i'm really hoping that michigan watched some of that tape from last week and thinks that putting a single guy on him was a good idea (laughs) and sticks with that um if they do if they run with that and say hey penn state was close what did they do let's just do that i'm gonna be you're right i'm gonna be happy guy at three o'clock on saturday Yeah, boy, uh, it was 71 from Penn State, had a very long so effort. bad for the guy. I'm like, <laughs> like, I understand he's a scholarship, you know, he's a scholarship player at a big-time program, but come on, James, uh, give him a little bit of help. <laughs> the guy a bone. Help! I, ex- help. I, expected, I expected him to be in the transfer portal by halftime. Nuts to this. I am out of here. No oh, kidding. boy. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I've been agreeing. And the only thing I thought might have worked against Chase Young from the uh, Heisman voting perspective was that he had teammates who were on the offensive side who've been putting up outrageous numbers of their own. And you could be in danger of splitting votes, um, especially because, you know, offensive players historically have done much better in the voting for that uh, that award. But uh, I, I agree with you. I think he's separated himself as being uh, the guy for Ohio State. And, uh, you know, you look at the performances that he's put on in some of these big games this year. I just you can't ignore him. So, yeah, I mean, the offense, I think you're probably right. I think the offense doing the way doing what they do actually helps chase a little bit because a lot of the shine between um, Dobbins and Fields is sort of split. Right. They sort of play off each other so much and they both have great numbers and they're both incredible. But they sort of split that a lot and they're like, Oh, okay. They're leaning on each other. And chase young's just a one man wrecking crew. Um, so I think he, he gets a lot of that. It's, he should, I mean, sweep pretty much every national award that he's eligible for. Um, and he's not going to win the Heisman. That's probably locked up by Joe Burrow at this point. Um, but he definitely should be there. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. This call is being recorded. All right, let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. We uh, we have not been on here since the first meeting with the Steelers. I think something kind of interesting happened towards the end of the uh, the game there. I don't know if you saw that or or, or heard anything about it, but uh, one of the Browns defensive linemen was kind of involved in a little bit of a skirmish with the the Steelers quarterback, and uh, oh, that got fun. out of hand a little bit. Yeah, it was. You think I can find video of that anywhere? 
maybe you know I, i'm surprised there hasn't been more uh more coverage of that more discussions on uh, all the talking head shows no, and, enough uh, of this i can't take it anymore okay <laughs> enough oh uh, what a what a what a what a day that was um yeah so i was thinking as i went to bed that night after I watched it, I was like, there's probably a lot of people in Cleveland who with like 20 seconds left, turn the TV off. I'm like, oh, that was sweet. It was late at night. It's Thursday. They're like, okay, yeah, Browns won. I'm going to bed. There's only like a play left. They're just going to take a knee or whatever. Can you imagine waking up to that? <laughs> to like that shitstorm having no idea what happened and, and, and all of a sudden you have to absorb it all at once? I was uh, I was over at my sister's house and there was they had a little crowd over there and it was kind of what you said everybody was kind of like getting ready starting to migrate towards the door put their shoes and coats on and stuff like that and the only reason i saw the whole thing unfold was i was just too lazy to get up off the chair that i was sitting in because it was too comfortable and uh yeah that all hell broke loose and um (laughs) you know hey guys you uh you might want to stick around for a minute here but uh yeah thankfully um you know, I, I think things have mostly settled in since then. I, I, uh, the immediate thought that I had was that I would have bet my house on this being like the most tightly officiated game, the, the rematch coming up this Sunday. It's going to be the most tightly officiated game the NFL's had in about 25 years. Uh, but I actually, I went and looked this up today. The crew that they've got assigned to that game has already been posted and I think they're like really right in the middle of the pack. Not anything that you would expect uh, out of the ordinary. So um, it's not exactly a, a flag happy pack of officials. So I don't know. Maybe they're uh, going to let them play. Maybe not. We'll, we'll see, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Are you bracing for? Uh, I think it's going to of- be one of those things where we build it up a lot. And then it comes and it's, I don't, I'm not going to say it's going to be dull. I think it'll be a good game. It'll be entertaining, but I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be like mayhem. Like people are expecting. I think you're right. People realize that it already cost one guy a lot of money. Um, it cost uh, Steelers guy a couple games. Um, it's, it's brought generally bad attention to both teams although i've i've been impressed and and sort of amused by how the narrative shifted over time um so it's i think coaches are going to be on a relatively short um they're going to have their guys on relatively short leashes i think they'll be running a pretty tight ship and i don't i don't think that the i don't think it'll get i don't think it'll get out of hand and um i don't know i think it'll probably just be a normal game I think it helps that both of these teams have a lot to play for in the standings. This is a must-win game for both of these teams if they want to have any hope of making the playoffs. So you don't have a team that's out of contention going in there with nothing to lose. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I think that that can help mitigate the situation quite a bit. Uh, And, you know, the Steelers uh, going uh, with uh, Duck Duck Goose at uh, quarterback this weekend instead of uh, Rudolph. That I don't know. Maybe that'll do something as well. By the way, since I, I I'm thinking of that now, I, I have to ask you about this. Did you see the video that was making the rounds? Uh, I think it was either yesterday or the day before. The girl who hired uh, Mark McGrath, the guy from Sugar Ray, on Cameo to record a video to break up with her boyfriend. 
I did. Um, really cringeworthy. Really awkward to watch. Did you see the follow-up today? I did. <laughs> much better. Much more entertaining. For um, those who didn't, it was Mark McGrath was once again um, back on there. Hey, Mark McGrath of Sugar Ray. No longer on the charts, but still in your hearts. Um, apparently, that's how he intros all of these things. What a great uh, line. What a great <laughs> line. It really is. Um, but yeah, he, he apparently somebody paid him to uh, inform Mason Rudolph that he had lost his job as the starting quarterback of the, of the Steelers. Fantastic <laughs> video. Like second best Sugar Ray video since that time someone called him Sugar Gay and he just went ballistic on the guy. Oh, no. <laughs> you don't recall this? This was probably, I mean, this is probably like eight or nine years ago. Um, just hysterical. Um, just lost his shit out of nowhere. It was it was quite entertaining, um, and so I always, I don't know, I always remember that. And it's it's unfortunately for Sugar Ray, it is his lasting memory in my like in my head is that time someone called him Sugar Gay and he went ballistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's 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 honestly not even the funniest thing that somewhat funniest video about Mason Rudolph from this week that belongs to Mike Tomlin just flat out saying when asked why they're starting Devlin Hodges his response was he doesn't kill us every game so is that like the coach speak equivalent of like getting bashed over the head with your own helmet um they I mean they they essentially traded their next first round pick and were fully planning on Mason Rudolph being the guy that they would try to develop for the next couple of years. Right. Um, there's no way that they can do that now, in my opinion. Um, no, but like just in the moment, like that line from Tomlin today was brutal. Right. When Sheldon Richardson made that joke, everyone's like, oh, he's Cleveland. Great. When right. your head coach does it, what are you supposed to do? How do you even go to work the next day? I mean, that, that cuts two ways because that's like, number one, it shows you he doesn't really think very highly of Rudolph and is to like flat out say that he's been killing the team. And number two, that's not exactly the greatest vote of confidence for uh, Hodges either. Like the best thing that you can say about the guy that you're starting instead is, well, he doesn't suck as much as this guy. Like, what is that? He went on a little bit more about Hodges after that and said, you know, he, gave us so. a bit, he, gave, he said, you know, he gave us a, he gave us a good spark last week. He came in and, and the guys really responded to him and all that general coach speak stuff. Um, he did not, he did not do the same for Rudolph. Um, it's, it's a weird situation, man. And it's funny because last week when it all went down and then all this stuff came out about, did Rudolph maybe say a racial slur? Who knows? Nobody actually does at this point. Somehow the NFL, which hears literally everything anyone ever says, had no audio remotely of the of the incident. So whatever, that is what it is. Um, but he gave him the voted confidence, like, oh, I know he'd never do anything like that. And then this week it's oh no, he was he's killing us out there. <laughs> It's almost like maybe Mike Tomlin saw a little bit of video himself, um, but I'm, I'm not I'm gonna. Not... That's that's what we that's what falls under reckless speculation. So, um, it's 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 just a weird turnaround. Like, it's not like Rudolph was good before. Rudolph's been terrible, like consistently terrible. So is it just because he did it against? 
the Bengals? Like, is that why he was killing you? Like, he was killing you before last week. I, I why why, why was way. this the week to put him, throw him under the bus? Yeah, I think I was one of about 14 million different people who made the joke that the biggest punishment of all for the Steelers was allowing Mason Rudolph to continue playing. Um, and that certainly bore itself out on Sunday when they nearly kicked one away against the Bengals. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's um, it's interesting to me going into this game, the Browns actually being favored there because on one level, you look at the way the first game went down, the Browns won that game in the trenches. They, they, they dominated that game. I mean, let's be honest. The only drive that the Steelers had where they scored they were aided by like 45 penalty yards from the Browns. Um, they never really came close to scoring. I don't think other than that. And I mean, that game was really, I mean, they, the, the Browns, uh, you know, probably could have put their foot on their throat a little bit more. Um, but I mean, it was a, a pretty dominating performance. I thought for the most part, they're obviously healthier at quarterback right now. Um, I, I James Conner, I don't think, is playing this week. Did they make that official yet, or, or is that still up in the air? I don't know if that was official. I saw something. I saw he said something about he might need to get surgery or something like that. Like, if it doesn't respond, I, I don't know exactly what the deal is, but it, I would be surprised if he played, but I don't yeah. know that he's 100% ruled out. Point is, all other circumstances aside, this feels like, without any history involved, that this is a game that the Browns should win. But it's impossible, on the other hand, to overlook the fact that they have not won a game in Pittsburgh, I don't think, in 16 years. Like, Tim Couch was the Browns quarterback the last time they won a game in Pittsburgh. Wow. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, three. I mean, it's, it shouldn't really be that surprising because we've probably, how many times we've beaten them since we got back? Even five, five or six times, probably. That's That might even be high. Um. So I guess it's not that crazy, but. Well, the win a week and a half ago, that was the first time since I think 2014 in the game that uh, Alex Mack broke his leg. And so it had been, well, I was going to say all losses, but there was the one tie last year, I guess. But uh, yeah, victories in the series for the Browns have been few and far between. They haven't swept the Steelers since 88. So um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I I can't escape the, the thought that the Browns, I feel like, should win this game if they just don't shoot themselves in the foot, which at times this year has been asking a lot. They've cleaned it up, I think, significantly in the last few weeks, although they tried to get cute again in that uh, fourth quarter against uh, the Dolphins this past weekend and um, you know, nearly got a receiver killed on the <laughs> uh, targeting hit uh, in the fourth quarter. But, um, God, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Um, about what specifically? I, I, it's, it's such a weird game. It's, I feel like I'm just repeating myself. It's, it's hard for me to go into, it's hard for me to put myself in this world where the Browns are going into a game at Pittsburgh where they should be the heavy favorite. And quite frankly, they're, I don't want to say far superior, but they're a much better team than Pittsburgh is right now. Um, so I, I don't know how to... 
I don't know how to take it, right? Because it's, I don't know that I came into this year expecting to sweep Pittsburgh. And, and who knows, you know, what the rest of the season has in store. I think everybody's talking a lot about playoffs and stuff this week. And I think that's getting the cart a little bit before the horse. Obviously, they basically need to win. They can maybe afford one more loss. And even that's going to be pushing it. Um, they probably need to win out to get into the playoffs. Um, I don't think nine and seven is going to cut it um, with how bad this division is there. I don't think the tiebreaker for um, like strength of schedule. I think that's usually one of the first tiebreakers. Um, I don't think that's going to be in their favor. And when it, what, who knows which team we're going to see too? Cause this, the Browns have only been playing well for maybe the last, I don't know, three or four weeks, even like the bills game. They didn't play that well. Like right. they won, but they didn't, they didn't look all that great. Um, yeah, there's they, a, looked, they obviously looked great last week, but how much can you take away from the Dolphins, right? Right. There, there's that logjam of teams in the wild card mix in the AFC. The one thing that will help the Browns is if it comes down to a, a multi-team tiebreaker with uh, AFC record, I think the Browns would actually do very well there because three of their losses were against the NFC. So their uh, their AFC record alone is actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still with you. I, you know, Buffalo, it seems like they've kind of separated themselves. I think they're eight and three right now. So they're, they've got the inside track on that five seed. So you just look at this dog pile of teams. It's all fighting for the sixth spot. Uh, yeah, not, not a lot of uh, a margin for error. Um, I'm a little disappointed that this game got bumped out of the, uh, four thirty time slot. This was supposed to be the, uh, the, the featured national game, Nansen Romo. Uh, and I think the NFL kind of fearing what a rematch of that game from two weeks ago might look like, uh, got a little trigger happy and, and pulled the old switcheroo and put, I don't even know if it's just fearing what the game would look like. I think they just don't want like their, the whole story to be replays of that game, which is probably what it will be like, no matter what, even if. Even if the game is clean and nothing happens again, they'll still spend a lot of time talking about it. And I think the NFL probably just wants to move on. Yeah. Um, the thing that kind of screws us, though, was, uh, you know, there's another game going on that day that's really good. Uh, Ravens and 49ers. Uh, that could be like the game of the year. And that's going on at the same time on on Sunday afternoon. And, uh, you know, they're on different channels. So theoretically, we could get both games, but typically if a station has the Browns, the other station, if they only have one game that day, they're going to put one on in the other time slot. So they're putting on another four o'clock game. So we're not going to have anything here. I don't know. Maybe it'll be different down where you are in Columbus, but we're not getting Ravens Niners up here, which kind of stinks. So really interesting. It's at, where is the game? It is at Baltimore. It's a, it's a game on Fox. So it's going to be on Fox. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So yeah, the, the Fox affiliate here, they're, they're looking at that saying, well, you know, nobody's going to be watching that when the Browns are going on and they're right. But uh, so they took like one of the four o'clock games on Fox instead. And uh, okay. that, huh. uh, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the Browns just stayed at uh, 430 or 425 or whatever that officially is, then you could have shown the Ravens and Steelers or I'm sorry, the Ravens and Niners here and everything would have worked, but uh, it is what it is. There you go. 
Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Let me ask you this. Cause it's, it's been, it was a, it was a hot topic early in the season. And I think because they've looked a little bit better, the top, it's not, it's not as in vogue to talk about it, but how are you looking at Freddie kitchens now? Has your view changed at all over the course of the season? Um, He's still, the, do you think the Browns view should be changing? I mean, winning is obviously the, uh, the ultimate disinfectant. So, you know, three in a row that certainly helps the cause um there's things that i like and things that i don't the things that i don't kind of what i alerted alluded to earlier in that it still feels like every once in a while he just can't help himself like that the end of that game this past weekend against miami there's no reason you shouldn't just be lining up and running the ball and, and bleeding out the clock and instead we're trying to throw passes down the field and our our uh one of our receivers nearly gets decapitated and it ended up on a, in an interception. Thankfully it got brought back because of the penalty, but uh, just reckless and, and needless risk taking. Um, but the other side of it, the one thing that I will give him a lot of credit for is if you look at the distribution for how they're, you know, getting their, their stars involved, I think it's been really good in the last couple of weeks, especially you look at uh, Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Landry, and Odell Beckham have combined for like 90% of the offense, which when you look at their roster composition, that's exactly what it should be. And I think Chubb's been the most involved of all of them, um, and he's your best offensive player. So I think they're leaning heavily on their their big guns and – that's what they should have been doing all along. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's working. I, I, uh, I'm encouraged by that. What say you? I've been really impressed with how he's worked Kareem Hunt in without taking away from Nick Chubb. Um, I think that was probably the biggest concern when Hunt came back was that Chubb's your, he's been your most stable, reliable guy, right? He shows up every week. Um Right now, he's, I'm, I mean, he's probably one of the I don't know, top four or five running backs in the league. So you're thinking, hey, they, they start to work Kareem Hunt back in. Is that going to take away from Chubb and slow this offense down more? And it's and it hasn't at all. It's been it's actually added added another dimension that's made the offense more effective. So um, I think I'm encouraged from that perspective in that um, the one fear I had, I think, for the second half of the season has not been there. So i got to give him some credit for that um i'm with you though there's still a lot of things where i look at it i'm scratching my head like why don't you just like just take the ball just go just go home like it's over we won like last week it's a perfect example why are we throwing in that situation it's it's kind of the same question we asked about pittsburgh the week before and we're lamenting it at the time because we ended up it ended up blowing into something else right and we lose one of our best players for the rest of the season but it's like why why are you doing this you're putting it's needless risk taking for no reason. Um, are you trying to prove a point? You're winning by like three touchdowns. Who cares? What point are you trying to make? Um, little stuff like that. And there's still there's still game management things that pop up every once in a while, where I'm like, okay, this is a rookie head coach, obviously. Like no one else is doing this. Um, but by and large, I'll say that I'm 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 mostly happy with the way that the offense is adapted with Hunt, and that's sort of. That's sort of my over overriding stance, I think, at the moment that has this maybe making me give him a little bit more leeway than I was a few weeks ago. 
I'll say this for this weekend. The Browns can get to 20 points and commit one, no more than one turnover. I think they'll win. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, and I just said it about, um, I just said it about the Ohio State game. I think the only way, I think the only way Pittsburgh is in this game was if Cleveland lets them in the game with turnovers and stuff like that. So, um, I'm with you. I think as long as as long as they play smart, they protect the football and don't, you know, make any needless mistakes and don't try to do too much and they just let the game sort of come to them, I think they should be fine. Well, we'll see what happens. And uh hopefully we don't have to pony up for a a cameo video uh to uh, air out our Oof. frustrations with Freddie Kitchens. For Freddie. Uh when do you think you ever think Freddie contemplated like maybe I should just go by Fred now? No, I'm like I'm, I'm just like I'm, I'm 26 years old. Maybe it's time to stop being Freddie. Maybe be an adult. No, I'm gonna stick with Freddie. No, I I, yeah. I can't imagine that that thought ever crossed his mind. He's he, <laughs> he's a Freddie. The dude, he's wearing his dog pound sweatshirt every week. He he is a Freddie until he dies. I'll, I also have to admit, like until a few weeks ago when they showed him on TV, I did not realize how bald he was. I don't think I'd ever seen him like not wearing a baseball hat. So like when they showed him without one, I was like, wait a minute. There's no way that's the same person. <laughs> Interesting looking guy. I, I I love him as a guy. Like I love his personality. Um, I think obviously there's some shortcomings as a coach, and we just kind of in a wait and see sort of mindset. See how he adapts, and obviously there's always going to be a little bit of a learning curve, right? How much of it? Um, how much of it does he actually learn from? Those the one thing we have to see, I guess. Well, it's a big reckoning this weekend. I think this is the biggest game they've had all year. And, uh, you know, I mean, I I think this dictates the way your season goes. If you want to be serious about being a playoff team and get back to the expectations that you had at the beginning of the year, you got to go in. You got this is, you know, the same way that Michigan is looking at Ohio State is like this team that they, you know, this mountain they have to climb for the Browns this is the year you got to get it done when you go into Heinz field in Pittsburgh, you, you got to win this game point blank. Yeah. It's sort of a gut check game. Now I think, I mean, the more you say that and the way I hear you talk about it, it it sort of resonates a little bit more like this is, this is a game that can, that can sort of put the idea, maybe not to, maybe not to bed for good, but the idea of, you know, same old Browns, um, if they come into this game where they're a big favorite and they, you know, shit the bed against a team that's quite frankly not all that good, um, it becomes where you know we start to hear that refrain again. And if if they come in and act accordingly and do what they should do against them, they can start to change that narrative. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll have to cross our fingers and hope that it's the latter, right? We'll see. <laughs> it's a should be a good weekend of football, though. I'm I am looking forward to it. We, uh, uh, well, it'll be fun. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, well, hopefully. Hopefully any, it'll be fun. You got any big plans for Thursday for Thanksgiving? No, I'm going up, going to my parents' house, and then coming back. My wife's got to work on Friday, so oh. um, not staying long or anything. We'll be there for, you know, be there for a few di- few hours. We'll come up probably pretty early in the morning and then do the early dinner, hang out, socialize a little bit, and then head back. Um, nothing too crazy. How about you? Nah, I'll be keeping it local. All the fams around here, yeah. put in a cameo at my mom's, and then uh, doing dinner at my dad's. So nice. Uh, you gonna bill her for that cameo? Hundred bucks. 
<laughs> it's my mom, so no, no I will not. <laughs> well, give her fifty then. I mean, come uh, on, you still got. Don't give away something you can sell, my man. So, did you get a, a chance to like look through Cameo? I have like, looked through it previously. Um, all right. Not, I didn't look through it again. I've looked through it. One of my my buddy Eric, his wife, sent a video of Terrell Pryor like saying something to him like probably a year ago it was pretty funny but she she was like not sure who she should get to do it for him she's like I want to get someone to do this for him who's this Terrell Pryor I was like do him that's real good <laughs> so so he did he was like standing in like the a parking garage basement somewhere like reading off this like weird script to him um it was really funny um but I haven't really looked at it since then much that might have to be my homework assignment over the weekend. Figure out who's the best value on there and who's the most overpriced. I think yeah, it's if- funny because there were some. There were some I remember looking at it and like I wish I could recall who they were, but I looked at them and like this guy is someone's gonna pay for this much. It's like a few hundred bucks for people who I'm like, no one cares about this person anymore. Let but- me tell you, he's only fifty nine dollars, but I am still not paying for the services of Darren Ravel. Oh jeez, yeah. He did. Someone got him to do. I remember someone got him to do one for his uh for their birthday or something, and it was actually kind of funny. Like, I've sort of done a three sixty on on Ravel. Um, as long as you know what he is at this point, and you accept who he is, and you're okay with that, um, so be it. He he plays he plays the role well enough, I guess. Um, I don't particularly I don't find him all that entertaining or anything, but um. He fills a niche, I guess, well the enough. The soup Nazi is sixty bucks. Is he allowed? To, does he call himself the soup Nazi or the soup guy? He is Larry Thomas, aka the soup Nazi. Interesting. I thought there was a big like lawsuit about him not being able to call himself the, the soup Nazi for a while. Like he was selling soups for a while. Or wait a minute, no, this is the guy that the soup. Never mind. This is the guy the soup Nazi is based on that guy has to call himself the soup guy ah. even though he's the original he's the one that inspired the soup nazi well here this one's fun i'm just i'm scrolling through these now on my phone as we uh, are officially in garbage oh, time i see here. one book ray lewis that's what i want to spend my money on can't nope. stab you through the phone <laughs> so safe at least yeah not I, uh, reckless speculation that is established how about this? Past guest of the nail, Christopher McDonald. He uh, he is listed on here as Shooter McGavin. He doesn't even list himself under his real name. He is Shooter McGavin, actor in Happy Gilmore. For uh, $150, he will record a cameo for you. That's um, not bad. Yeah, that is not bad. Steve Gutenberg. I didn't even know Steve Gutenberg was still around. What is that guy up to these days? 125 bucks. You can uh, you can bring him in. Jesus. Like who are these people? <laughs> oh, good. I'm, I'm looking at like I'm looking at I'm on the website now and like Ellie Schnitt, $5. Okay, I guess $5 is fine, but who the hell are you? <laughs> Pay $5. Like, you're not we'll you're out. not asking too much, I guess, so that's fine. Um ah. But why go. would anyone pay you even five dollars? Winnie Winnie Cooper eighty five dollars. Might, might have to get a shout out from. Uh, well, that's not uh, bad. No, Danica McKellar. Yeah, and the people they put on this front page are not a great like uh, 
not a great way to entice people. I don't think it's a it bunch is, of uh, like I don't know who any of these people are. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's uh, quite a uh, an eclectic mix here. Like I don't like. Here's this guy. His name's Quinn Blanding. He plays for the Panthers. Okay. Well, it says he plays for the Panthers. He's probably like practice squad guy. I don't know his name, but um, he wants twenty bucks. Okay. He's just willing to do it for someone. Like that's that's something, I guess. But like, who? Why? Jake saying, the oh, Snake yeah, Roberts. Blanding. Jake oh, the that's Snake. A good one. One hundred dollars. That is a bargain. I'm going to tell you. Does, that guy is one of the does greatest. He, does he wear the snake when he when he delivers that? That is probably an extra charge. Worth it. One of the greatest promos ever in wrestling, though. You are getting your money's worth if you drop a hundred bucks for Jake the Snake. I will guarantee you that, my friends. Oh yeah, he's still got it too. I'm sure he's still got his fastball. No question. Manny no Pacquiao, a thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna pull the trigger on that one. No, like who is like? Ah, oh, this is frustrating to me. Like you people shouldn't be getting any dollars. <laughs> You're getting lots of them. Oh, anyways, all right, we got, we got sidetracked here at the end. We went off the rails. You know, it is what it is. No we're not charging it. anybody on cameo for it. But uh, yeah, what do you say we uh, close up shop here? All right, yeah, take it home. All right, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, WaitingForNextYear.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the nail podcast. And uh, yeah, if you are subscribed on uh, one of those podcast listening apps and you haven't done it already, throw us a review that always helps us out. Uh, get those uh, five star reviews in. Um, that, uh, it's always a good thing for us. I think that is going to do it for this week. Hope everybody has good Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy some football this weekend. And uh, yeah, For uh, Travis Julia, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin. We'll catch you again soon. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 